0: All right. So if you'd be so kind, uh, I would like you to, uh, I keep looking at the back as if something's going to show up there. Uh, please turn your, open your Bibles to Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look at a part of the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus was sharing there on the Sermon on the Mount, he was speaking to them, the gathering there. John and I have been there. We've seen this spot where this took place and where we stood and the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was giving this over there to the lake and talking to these people, and as he was sharing the sermon, this great message was there, and he said in verse 17, chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now the reality of this, we need to just stop right there and think for a moment. Because we often misread what this is about. And I would like for us this morning to see if we can grasp to catch on what this is really about. So that you can understand the broader implications of Jesus' words. So we're going to look at this just a little bit together. The word law there in Greek is nomos. Nomos, which applies more and the implication of it is from the Hebrew means Torah it was the word that was used to describe the first five books of the bible the torah was considered to be the books of moses genesis through deuteronomy then what followed then was the law was the history and the prophets and if you notice the organization within your old testament follows the five books then there's the history part and then they go into the prophets are talked at the end it's interesting that the book of daniel which is out of order was put at the end after ezekiel because they didn't know what to do with them because they couldn't interpret it but they did put it before the the minor prophet books that came to follow so there's an organization to the old testament and when they referred to that and spoke about that they called it to the law and to the prophets to the torah and to the rest. And today we would say that that's the, the Old Testament. Well, they didn't know there'd be a New Testament at that time. I a mean, Jesus, they, they didn't understand that, so they just said to the law and to the prophets. That was a shorthand of saying, like we would say, well, it's in the Old Testament. And so that broadening of your understanding and not to the law. We tend to think it's the law meaning the Ten Commandments. The law was thought to be all of the first five books, the law and the prophets of what Jesus was saying. So when we come back to look at that particular passage, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to change the old, do anything about the entire Old Testament. I didn't come to do that. The reason that I have come is to fulfill it, to make that. So you could see and understand who I am, what my ministry is about. If you look through the scriptures, you will find, and we were in John this morning to search the scriptures. If you would search the scriptures and look, you would see that they testify of me. If you look at the law, and if you look at the prophets, if you look at this, you will see over and over again, you will see how they describe exactly what I'm doing. And Jesus took that, and when he started his ministry, as we look in Luke 4, when he stood up in Nazareth and he opened the scriptures and read from the prophet Isaiah, he was fulfilling exactly what the Bible had called him to do. So we have that expression, that whole view. So we have to think in our mind it was to the law and to the prophets. I did not come to get rid of them. We'll look at that more in a moment. But to fulfill them, to establish them, you will see as you look. And if you're careful and open minded, you will see how it all falls together, how it makes that happen. And so Jesus said, I fulfilled the scriptures. And as he went through, the Bible records in the New Testament, in fulfillment of the scriptures, he did this. In fulfillment of the scriptures, he did this. In fulfillment of the prophets, he did this. You will see that over and over again in the gospel story verse 18 for uh, truly i tell you until heaven and earth disappear not the smallest letter not the least stroke of a pin will by any means disappear from the law until it has been accomplished not the smallest letter not the slightest stroke of the pin well you may have it in the king james and that's where i took this from for verily i say unto you till heaven and earth pass away not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till it shall be one jot or one tittle. What are we talking about? Well, I tried to look for a picture here to show you this. If you look over here, you can see these, these are the Hebrew words, see? Now, originally, in Hebrew, and the language, they didn't have any vowels. They only used the consonants. Those were the bigger letters. But as the language progressed, as people began to write, and read, and go on, What they had to do was they started to put in little marks here and there to help people with the pronunciation or to get the vowel sound that would follow that letter. So what happened was that they made these little marks. See them up below and above like that? That would give the vowel sound to the word. So we would get Yahweh instead of just the letter, three letters, we'd get Yahweh, we'd know how to pronounce it. And that was called the Jot and the tittle <laughs> that's where it came from the jot and the tittle were the little markings those little signs that were put around the hebrew words so jesus is saying not even the sound of the word not even the house not even those little markings which it now was uh, regularly seen in hebrew not even one of those will disappear nothing will be changed till all be fulfilled when he came so Jesus was emphasizing this but we have to ask well why why would Jesus make such a statement about that what would prompt him in this sermon to say that and to make this kind of message to him why would Jesus say not one jot or one tittle shall be fulfilled I didn't come to um, change the law I didn't come to abolish it I came to fulfill it why would Jesus make such a statement to them about that and there's a very good reason why it's because he was accused by the Pharisees of ignoring or changing the law that was often seen that that's what renegades and offshoots would do and so the Pharisees were very careful and on guard they were there looking to make sure that the law was completely and exactly followed. And in order to do that, they created extra laws to help explain the laws so that they could have exactly what. If you recall, when Israel went into Babylonian captivity, they went in because they got involved with Baal worship, ignoring what God had asked them to do. So the Pharisees, after the... Babylonian captivity this group of people said we will never let that happen again because we will exactly Follow what God has asked us to do we will get these laws So they said well there were questions that would raise these scholars these things these scribes and so forth How are we going to do that? So a whole system of laws a whole system of lawyers and of professionals? grew up in the Pharisees and the scribes in order to outline that they still exist there in Israel today we saw them we saw them there we saw them at their desks we saw them at the wall we saw them with their things as they were going still there today to make sure they were exactly following the law exactly so they created laws so they were looking as jesus was doing his ministry seemed to be ignoring the laws seemed to be going on without them and jesus said you're wrong i didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill them, Jesus said, because these men were watching as the guardians of the law. Therefore, they wanted to be very careful. Now, Jesus has an interesting relationship with the law. So I didn't come to change the law. Why not? Because he was the lawgiver. He was the very one, God himself. So his relationship to Jesus We can look hindsight. We can look back hindsight and see that Jesus expanded the meaning of the law. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, thou shalt not murder. The Bible says thou shalt not murder. But I say whoever has hate in his heart for someone else has murdered him already. Who has hate in his heart. Wouldn't that be an expansion of the meaning of thou shalt not murder? Hmm. Looking at it and said, if you hate, Jesus said, expanding beyond, I should not commit adultery. But if it's in your heart, you're thinking, in your, you already are, whether you actually did the act with someone or not, it's already there. So Jesus expanded the meaning. We have the benefit of looking back at that. Hindsight, looking back now through the New Testament, looking back through the writings to see that. But they did not have that. They did not have the ability to look back. So Jesus gives a warning. He talks to them about this. He gives them a warning. He gives us all a warning. And so he shares with us this warning, verse 19. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. Notice the word here that Jesus was saying. Why would he say that? Why would Jesus make that compliment? He's using, look at you may have in the King James, you have the word commands. But in the King James, you may have the word commandments, the least of these commandments. Do you have that? Commandments. Now we've often associated when we're looking at that, we take that word commandments and look at that, that particular man and it makes us think here, in the Adventist circles of, of a specific thing. When we see the word commandments in King James, we tend to look and we tend to see, ah, the commandments going on. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. Now I've heard pastors take this passage from the words, the law unto the prophets, and take this passage and say, the problem is that we are having people in today's day and age ignoring the part about the Sabbath commandment. Now that's true, that's not wrong, it's not true, Um, it is a truth that is happening in our world, but the meaning of Jesus goes beyond just pointing to the seventh day Sabbath. We can say, well that's the one that's being ignored, well true, it is, but there's also The implication in the scriptures here, the specific passage is not talking about just the commandments, not just the section. It was talking about the whole Torah. Looking about the whole minor thing as these people are looking and searching for the scriptures. Therefore, if anyone, we go back to least of these commands. The commands of Christ go beyond the Ten Commandments, do they not? I can think of other commands besides the Ten Commandments that Jesus gave one of them is go ye therefore into all the world was that not a command of Christ another command of Christ was be ye baptized another command was to give to participate at the Lord's Supper there are other commands that Christ gave to us all built on the philosophy of loved God and to love our fellow man so there were more commands of that because Jesus came to expand, you see. It was more involved with that. Now, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to say that the Sabbath was an issue there. It most certainly is. It certainly is. But the words of Jesus go beyond and apply more to the whole Torah and to the whole Old Testament. I remember I was driving out of Fresno. Uh, One time and I was on my way to my church. I was a young whippersnapper at that time. New pastor. And as I had to go past this church, he said, we believe all of the New Testament. And I'm going, well, you don't believe in the Old Testament? Well, I understand their emphasis. They were trying to say the grace of Christ. But they had missed the Law and the Prophets that Jesus was speaking about. They had missed that. So is there something in the first five books that is to teach us about God? Well, we have creation, we have all kinds of things in there that show us about God. But the Pharisees, they failed to see the Messiah in the Law and the Prophets. They were looking for the Messiah. But because they were so focused on the minutiae. They missed the bigger picture. They missed what the whole concept of the law and the prophets was about, or they would have recognized Jesus. They didn't see the prophets. They didn't understand what happened with that. They didn't understand the whole theme of the law of God. They didn't see that as be able to point to who Jesus was or else they would have recognized him because they were so focused on other things so they failed to see the Messiah in the law and prophets but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven will be called great there in God's heaven well, why would Jesus say that why would Jesus say that make that comment to us well as uh, pastors we have a sacred duty i remember going through pastoral training and the great emphasis that was placed on us in preaching was you need to be faithful in speaking the word as faithfully as you can to what the bible is saying and not just freewheeling your own thoughts it's a sacred duty that's been given to you as a pastor, that we're asking you not to go and preach your good thoughts, but to go and preach the scriptures. And therefore, I am under a sacred obligation to not only you, not only to the conference, and to my denomination, but to the Lord himself, that I am to preach as best as I can, and I am recognized that I've had some sermons that I thought were great, and I put them in my file and say, never preach again. Because they were, I thought at the time, they were but now I'm, as I've gotten older, more mature, I say, oh man, I, that, no, no, that, I'm not going to do that again. Because I've been called... To do that, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. So there's a sacred responsibility. So I do not fall into the trap like the Pharisees did, focusing on the minutiae and missing the law and the prophets, you say, Missing the Messiah. For I tell you, this is the part that bites. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law, in other words, the scribes, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, this must have been incredibly shattering thought to the people who were listening. Because the pros of righteousness were the Pharisees and the scribes. They had it down, exactly how the righteous would behave. And the normal guy, who hadn't sat and gone through all that, the normal guy would be, would be looking at that and say, that is impossible. How could my righteousness go beyond that of the Pharisees? For they had it down. We saw that when we were in Jerusalem how could it be possible that it could go on beyond that so Jesus implication here as he spoke to them was shocking and that they were troubled by it and he us it unless it goes bored, unless your righteousness now they had grown up as children to learn to look at Jesus as the one to look at jesus as i mean the pharisees as the one how to live the righteous life they had been taught that they've been taught to respect they've been taught to learn they've been taught to interview and if you were fortunate enough to have a rabbi or a pharisee train you to teach you to teach you how to do that you were thought most most respected as you looked at these individuals that you were going to uh, follow them follow their example And Jesus is now saying, your righteousness has to go beyond that. Has to be more than that. So, I have this fantasy that uh, sometime I would like to uh, play 18 holes with Tiger Woods. (laughs) I... uh, In my day, in my thing, I think, what an incredible golfer. Can you imagine the two of us out there, out there going? I've thought about this as I pit my skills up against Tiger Woods. How do you think that would go? Now, you don't know how well I golf, blessed that you don't. But I can imagine that he would say, well, at least, Bill, you hit it. Although it's not on the fairway. I don't know why they charge me, because I rarely hit my ball on the fairway. And, um, but I can imagine how that golf would go. So did the people of today look and say, our lives compared to the Pharisees are the pros against the amateurs and how to be righteous. And Jesus said, you'd have to go on. Well, the question is, what is Jesus talking about their righteousness? What was about their righteousness? Here's a little thing you need to know about the righteousness that they had. The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees consisted of external adherence to the letter of the law. But there was more to it, more to it than that, because they themselves already recognized that keeping the law and that they created was too hard. All the little requirements that they had, they themselves could not do. So what do you do about that? Well, what they had done through the marvelous thinking was they have created alliances or or go-arounds or things that they could do so they could still live in a righteous life. But they had these different ways, the other things that they added to this in the law that If you needed to make a Sabbath day's journey and you needed to go farther, if you went and put your coat at the end on Friday, then you could take another Sabbath day's journey. Because they had to have go-arounds so they could still be righteous and yet not keep it. And it was a fooling of themselves with all these extra laws that they would have to do that, these allowances that they would make to do it. They found a way to bend their own rules. So their righteousness was corrupt. And Jesus understood that. They taught the good deeds had to simply outweigh the bad deeds. If you had more good deeds than you had bad deeds, you were good. And therefore, they had a works righteousness program. And Jesus said, your righteousness must exceed That of the Pharisees. Your righteousness must not be based on your deeds. They saw it as their passport to heaven. But in reality, Jesus knew their inner corruption. He knew what was going on in their lives. He knew that he knows ours. How is it possible then? When the Bible says, there are none righteous, no, not one. Now, Paul is taking that from Ecclesiastes 7.20. There are none righteous, no, not one. Not one. So how do we get around that? Because Jesus offers us a better righteousness. (laughs) That's the beauty of this. He offers to us a better righteousness. And where does that righteousness come from? It's the lack of the the Pharisees lacked compassion and love. They weren't compassionate. They were critical. There was no love for their neighbor. There was no really love for God. It was just do it. And Jesus offers to us in his sermon on the compassion and love that comes from Christ above. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Upon this, the two <coughs> greatest commandments hang all the law and the prophets. See, all of the Old Testament hangs on those two principles. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself if you would do that if you would put that first and have god in your heart have the compassion and love for that then all of the old testament all the law and the prophets would hang with you it's his compassion and love in us it is a gift that he gives to us to be open say Lord show me how to love as you loved show me how to have compassion as you have compassion this weekend the North American division has set aside today and tomorrow as compassion weekend I would invite you and invite you to think how can I be compassionate to my neighbors, to those around us? What can I do to show love and compassion towards them? One is we're going to have lunch for them today. Whoever comes, they're welcome to come and eat. Do that. But there's the Midwest Food Bank. But think of other things around you. What can I do to be compassionate and caring about those around us? So Jesus asks, come Follow me. If you will come and follow me, come and follow me, then you will have the righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees. Dear Lord, I thank you for this passage. It's it's troubling at first. It's troubling because it seems like, oh, it's just impossible. But through you, all things are possible. And the expansion of love and compassion to our fellow men. To others and to you, Lord. Open our hearts to receive it. I thank you for the gift that you give to us. May you help us. In Jesus' name, amen.